Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin County Medical Center, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin County Medical Center, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. As we mentioned uh, earlier this morning, it is an open line show, which means uh, you drive the show. The listeners do. Good morning to you, Dr. Hilden. Good morning, Denny. Good to see you. And uh, we have, uh, you know, as you know, because this, this, we really put you to work when there's an open line show. They keep you on your toes. They definitely keep me on my toes. And um, so we're going to welcome your calls and listeners. We're going to do this this week and next week. We're going to do an open yeah. line show. Yeah, so let me give them numbers while uh, while we prepare for uh, the show. 651-989-9226. We've cleared the lines. So if you have a health question for, for Dr. Hilden, you can call now. 651-989-9226. Now, if you prefer to text 81807, and you always add And tweets. I always add tweets, and, and we're getting tweets as well, and sometimes they come in after the show even. So you can tweet me at Dr. David Hilden, and I can answer your questions either on the air or I'll try to get back to you on Twitter itself. Or like I want to do this week, I'm going to answer one from last week. Greg... Uh, Greg uh, had tweeted me, and uh, I didn't get to it on the air, but he was asking a question about our show from last week, which uh, if you weren't listening um, or if you missed it, our show last week was about chiropractic care and acupuncture. And it was um, a lot of questions about that, and I had two guests with me. The first was um, Peter Polsky, who was a chiropractor, and the second was Robert Crane, an acupuncturist, both of whom work at uh, Hennepin's North Loop Clinic. And so we had a good conversation with these two guys, uh, neither of whom I had met before because they've been with us um, less than a year. And uh, Greg had tweeted me, what school of uh, chiropractic do they follow? Uh, Dr. Polsky, the chiropractor, what school? So, um, Greg, if you um, listen to the podcast of the show, we talk about it a little bit. But uh, our chiropractor, at least Peter, who was on the show, um, deals with what's called the diversified school of chiropractic, and that's the most common kind. Um, but I thought it'd be interesting to t- say a little bit more about that, and so I'm going to do a blog post about that as well. So you can go to myhealthymatters.org sometime in the coming week, and I will do a blog post about that. But we do talk about the, I will talk about the types of chiropractic, um, and of course, you can always access the podcasts of previous shows. You just listen to it; it's about thirty, thirty-five minutes long, and you can listen to the previous week's show, any previous week, not just last week. So that's at myhealthymatters.org. I also wanted to a um, little bit of health in the news. I read, I was reading about a new study, Denny, and you and I do the show out from our feet here. Yes, Denny and I are both standing. In case anybody is wondering, and and uh, it turns out we're smart. There's a new study out that says the more you sit, the worse off your health is, and this is frankly not new. We all knew that, 
But uh, this one's just uh, confirming um, that sitting for a long period of time is almost as bad for your heart as anything. It's, I don't know Ooh. if it's as bad as, as smoking, but it's getting up there. And this study out of Columbia University studied like 8,000 people. And they measured that the average person sits during the day 70% of the time. That's a lot. It's a lot. And, uh, and there's almost no getting out of that. So it, it, there, there's no way you can go to the gym later that day and work out for an hour and make up for all the bad effects of sitting. Um, they simply did not live as long. The people who sat that much didn't live as long as those who were up. And so the suggestion is, and, and the worst way to sit, by the way, is, is just continuously. Like, don't sit for four hours. If you, Let's say you have a desk job. Uh, don't sit for four hours, go to lunch, and then sit all afternoon. Get up every 30 minutes or so, for even for a few minutes. Get up, get up, get up. Uh, kind of related to that, I just read that one of the biggest job benefits that, that millennial workers, younger workers, yeah. are demanding at work are desks that they can stand at. Yeah. It's considered like right up there with health benefits and an insurance plan. I want a desk that I can stand at. And that turns out those millennial workers, you know, younger workers, know what they're talking about. I know some of the folks upstairs, what we call the third floor. Here uh, at CZO. We're asking for those, yeah. We have them for our doctors in the division that I work. We call them high-low desks. They have a little button. They're actually motorized. And at any given time, you can watch the doctors and physician assistants and nurse practitioners standing or sitting or somewhere in between. And um, it, it looks kind of funny at first, but they know what they're doing. But it's you know what actually helps? actually healthy for you. You see what I'm standing. I'm sta- standing on a gel pad. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. I, I think that can help some, especially what, 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 that happens a lot like in the chefs. Stand. Chefs, and yeah. you, you see yeah. that in baristas at the yeah. coffee shop. That's probably the best plan yeah. to go. Stand at your desk, walk and move more, and put something so that you're not standing on hard floor right. all the time. Yeah. Good tips from the medical literature um, that came out just today. Good deal. 651-989-9226. Text, and we have uh, a bunch of those, too, 81807. Should we get to it? Let's go to it. Uh, Ray is first up, calling from Mendota Heights. Ray, you're on with Dr. Hilden. Yes, this is... Uh, my question is, I've had shingles for four years and can't seem to find any way to get them to uh, subside. Ray, before before you leave, you have the, the lesions? You have little bumps on your skin for four years? <clears throat> no. They come and go? I, uh, they, they come and go, but it uh, <clears throat> pain will strike. Just about any place in my body, joints, and they like to go uh, around my waist and and chest, and uh, kind of in a belt-like distribution, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it it just feels like my, that my skin is crawling. Right, Ray. I'm really sorry about that because that would be one of the more unusual. Uh, shingles stories I've heard. People do get recurrent shingles. That's what I would call it, recurrent. If it gets better and then comes back, you can certainly get that on different parts of your body. But if it it sounds like it's a lot for you and it's all over the place, and that is suggesting to me that um, I wonder if something's up with your immune system. Uh, um, When I say what's up, uh, your immune system isn't able to fight this because the shingles vaccine, as I've mentioned before, is simply the chickenpox virus that lives within your body, and it gets reactivated. And it gets reactivated in people whose immune system is sort of sleeping on the job a little bit, and that happens to people as we get older or if you have other medical conditions. 
And one of the characteristics of that is that you get this burning pain and your skin really feels unwell. I would see, I, I, I won't be able to give you a solution here, Ray, but I would see an infectious disease specialist. I don't recall sending in anybody to infectious disease doctors for shingles before because it sounds so, it's usually more typical. It doesn't come back this much. But in your case, I would. I would ask them, is there any blood testing they could do to check into your immune system? Does this, is it even consistent with shingles? Maybe it's something else, a related virus, a related situation, and maybe not even shingles. So I think I would see an infectious disease um, specialist for this one, or maybe an allergist, because an allergist is also well-trained in immunology, in immune system things. And so they could help decide, A, is it really shingles? And B, why do you keep getting it again? See one of those two specialists, Ray, because that sounds like that's more than a bummer. That's really affecting your yeah, life. I'm sorry about say. that. Yeah. All right, back to the uh, phones we go. Uh, 651-989-9226. Larry is calling from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Larry, go ahead uh, with your question. Yeah, I want to say just how uh, contagious that uh, virus, mumps virus can be. I'm actually a doctor who did a spinal tap on a patient who had mumps uh, encephalitis. I was gowned, gloved, and fully protected. I did the spinal tap. Two weeks later, I came down with a pain in my glands, they call the parotid glands, and then they went down on me. I developed a fever of 105 degrees. I was 35 years old, and I was able to uh, uh, get help from my daughters uh, who were, had to stay out of school because my wife was in the hospital having a baby. Mm. And I just tell people that they have to get a mumps vaccine or have the children get a mumps vaccine. Otherwise, they'll go through what I went through. You know, Larry, Larry, thank you so much for that call. And I could, I will second what the doctor, what Larry says, 100%. Mumps is extraordinarily contagious. And, um, and most of us forgot what it's like. Um, we don't remember. Um, you know, you maybe remember as a kid having a swollen cheek. That's the parotid gland that the doctor from St. Cloud's talking about. Um, but it can lead to lots of other things. And he said encephalitis. That's a in- viral infection and inflammation of your brain due to the mumps. It's a serious thing he's talking about. And he was fully gowned up, and he got it anyway. He got mumps anyway. So I'm going to, um, first of all, thanks, Larry, for that call. And second of all, remind people, the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, the MMR, um, as a track record of safety. Um, and it is an incredibly, incredibly important thing to do for your children and for your community. So I will second that. Get your MMR vaccines, everybody. So, Larry, thank you for that um, for that call. All right, let's grab a text here before we uh, All take right, a here we go. Um, here's one that says, can you talk about candida? Exactly. I, you know what I was thinking of that? I call it Canada. Canada. But a lot of people say candida, and I, I had that song in my that head. Was- who was sang that song? Tony Orlando. And Tony Don. Orlando, yeah. that's yeah. right. <laughs> so I, I started singing the song Candida in my head as I was reading this text. But I digress. I call it <laughs> Canada. Can you talk about Canada? What is it? Causes, natural ways to cure it. So Canada is a, is a yeast or a mold or a fungus. Um, and it is the most common cause of fungal infections um, 
genital fungal infections, like especially women who get a yeast infection. It's almost always candida. Um, But you can get skin infections, men and women, usually in the folds of your skin, under the breasts, in the groin, things like that. Um, And and those are all treated topically with antifungal medications and and just general hygiene. Um, Those medications are safe. Um, they come in powder form, cream form, ointment form. That's what you. What, that's what we do. Um, Candida can also get inside the body where it can cause a much worse infection. And I doubt the texter is talking about that because that requires systemic antifungals um, from your doctor. He's asked about, or she's asked about, natural remedies. Um, I'm, I'm not so fond of the word natural because some of the best things we almost everything is natural in some form, and almost everything is a chemical in some form. So. Hemlock is natural, but it'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't like the term natural so much, but there are other remedies people can try. Um, drying agents, powders can sometimes work. But if the yeast, if the candida is really, um, really persistent, that might not work so well. Tell you what, as we head to this break, you've got an event uh, that we should mention. Yeah, I've got a, an event that sounds funny. Bear with me. It's called the Teddy Bear Clinic, and it's coming up on Saturday, September 30th from 8 to 11 at the HCMC Emergency Department. When we first did this, we didn't know how many people would show up, and let me tell you, a lot did show up because it's a riot. What you do is you bring your kids, your grandkids, and a favorite teddy bear or a stuffed animal down to the clinic in the HCMC emergency department. And um, they stitch up loose seams. They listen to heartbeats. They splint broken limbs. They tour the ambulance. And they do this with your child who brings his or her favorite stuffed animal. The idea is that it gets kids comfortable with a visit to the doctor. So when they have to go, they remember the time that their teddy bear had to get a shot and their teddy bear did just fine. It's really fun and informative and a great thing to do with your kids. So bring your kids, bring your grandkids and a favorite teddy bear animal on Saturday, September 30th from 8 to 11 in the morning, downtown Minneapolis at HCMC's emergency department. And adults, you get to get an inside look at the uh, Upper Midwest Premier Level 1 Trauma Center for Adults and Kids. So, yeah, Saturday, September 30th. Excellent. All right, we'll take a bit of a break here, as we always do, inviting our listeners to hang on, those on the phone, or send a text, 81807. Mostly cloudy skies currently on CCO 53, heading for 69. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden has an open line show going today, meaning your general health questions for the doctor, either by phone or by text. Tell you what, let's talk to uh, Diane, who's calling from uh, Farmington. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I'm calling because I want to know if there's a a virus going around that um, a couple weeks ago, my daughter and son-in-law, who are healthy and don't smoke, um, got had congestion and coughing and sore throat and kind of in their upper chest. They had it for two weeks now. My daughter called the clinic, and they said that just left to let it ride out. Well, day after they got it, I got it. I live in a senior building, and our maintenance man and another resident have this. And my throat, our throats get so sore. We've gone through Sudafed, and I think she had some rope toxin. But it just gets worse, and... I'm coughing it up all the time. Well, what do you think, Doc? Yeah, Diane, I'm sorry that you don't feel well. And you asked if something's going around, and the answer is a complicated yes and no. Do I know of anything particular or weird right now, like flu or anything? The answer to that is no. But is something going around? Yes, because it always is. The 
the viruses that carry the common cold, and there are dozens of them. There's dozens of them. They're always going around. And in fact, about two weeks ago, um, right after the State Fair show, uh, I got a pretty bad cold. I was kind of um, had the similar symptoms that you just described. Nasal congestion, sinus congestion, very scratchy throat, aches kind of all over the place. Um, but that's just, that is a description of the common cold. And, um, uh, it, and what your doctor's office is correct. It is something you just have to ride out. Everything that you mentioned, you know, the decongestants and sore throat lozenges and cough syrups, all they do is relieve symptoms. They don't shorten the duration of the illness by one second. And so if they help you, you can take them. If they don't help, you don't have to because they're not going to do anything um, to shorten your cold. The average cold goes from 7 to 14 days, so that 1 to 2 weeks is normal. The cough can last even longer. Coughs tend to linger. So that's just the common cold, and you don't need antibiotics. You just ride it out. But having said that, you are in a senior place, and you are among other more vulnerable older older adults. So if you get these symptoms, Dan, you should have it seen. If you have a high fever, the common cold does not have a high fever. It might have a low-grade deal, little 100-degree thing, but it's not going to be 101, 102. If you have a high fever, if you are coughing up an enormous amount of um, – what what doctors call purulent material, pus, gross stuff, not just a little little phlegm, but really coughing up stuff. That's a sign that you might have pneumonia. The high fever is a sign that you might have pneumonia. Or if you have symptoms further around your body than your upper chest and head. The common cold is limited to your head and your upper chest. If it's your whole body's aching all over the place, or if you're having diarrhea and, and, and nausea, or uh, then that could be something worse. So those are things that you should go have looked at. But other than that, I agree with your doctor. Try some chicken soup, lots Ooh. of fluids, maybe a little Tylenol. It might help you out a little bit. And um, I hope you feel better soon. You know, a couple of people have complained to me, this is probably totally unrelated, but uh, because of fires in Canada and out west, the smoke that came into the our area, I was talking to one woman at the gym who was, just miserable because her allergies yeah. because of that. You might that might not be unrelated. At least it could be. Danny, added, no, added. absolutely. They they talk about that. Um, there was a slight haze over the skyline yeah. in Minneapolis when I was driving into work this past week, and that is from literally smoke and pollutants in the air. It's sort of what like Los Angeles looks like on yeah. many days. Um, and those little particles in the air are rough on the healthy lung. But the healthy people, you know, you can kind of get over it, but you might have a scratchy throat. If you're an older adult or have asthma or have allergies, the, the outdoor air pollutants can definitely make those things worse. It doesn't cause a cold, right. but it can make your, your respiratory symptoms worse without a doubt. All right. Tell you what, uh, let's, uh, can we grab a quick text? Let's grab a text. Um, all right. Here's the, I think the first one that came in earlier that I missed. It says, I, I drink moderately, but have drunk heavily for about eight months. I assume they mean alcohol. I quit drinking about a month ago. If my heavy drinking damaged me, can my body find um, healing in abstinence from drinking? A resounding yes to that um, uh, texter. Your body will heal in many ways from a lot of the insults that happen to it, um, including drinking. Some things are irreversible. If you have liver cirrhosis, you can't reverse that if it's that advanced. But if you have a little liver inflammation, your liver's really good at healing from that. There's even some studies that suggest that long-term heavy drinkers, a simple few-week 
abstinence period, your liver starts to regenerate. So yes, 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 yes. If you are a big drinker, stopping will much of your body will heal. There are some things that don't. If you've damaged nerves and you have a neuropathy from drinking too much, that might not heal. Um, if you have a heart that um, has gotten a little enlarged from drinking, that might heal. Your heart can actually get some better. Can it really? Um, it can. Now, it, it does it, not all the time. Um, there's a thing called holiday heart, though. Doctors oh, talk yes. about holiday heart where you go on a, a binge and your heart gets weak. It gets better afterwards. So the message is yes, if you stop drinking after a period of heavy drinking, much of your body will heal. Very good. Well, we have to head to another break, but we have another half hour of the show to go. If you want to join in, 651-989-9226 is the phone number. However, if texting is easier for you, we're going to pick up on more texts. The message is when we get back as well. That's 81807. Uh, In the Twin Cities, uh, it's going to be sunny and cooler today, 69 the high right now on WCCO 53. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. This is an open line show. If you're just joining us, that means, of course, your general health questions for Dr. David Hilden, your host. And uh, we have a bunch of callers uh, who have been waiting and a lot of texters, too. I don't know. Did you want to grab a text? If I I could, Denny, I'm going to grab some texts. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for listening wherever you are. Uh, We're doing an open line show, as we will be next week. I do want to remind people, if you missed a previous show, well, the podcasts are available. They're fun. They're easy. Do it like all the cool kids do. In fact, my 22-year-old daughter gets all her news from podcasts. and, And so it's just, you know, it's a way to listen on your phone, on your computer. You can download it and listen to it at your own time when it works for you. Go to myhealthymatters.org and just uh, you can subscribe to the blog or you can not subscribe if you don't want and just listen to the podcasts of previous shows. There's a little button that says listen to podcasts. So go ahead and do that at myhealthymatters.org. And let's go to the text lines. Here is one. First of all, this is a little kudos to one of my colleagues from Mary Beth. Mary Beth, thank you for sending this text in. It says, a shout out to HCMC. Dr. Galicich and the team for a successful spinal surgery recently. My care was second to none. Thank you, Mary Beth, for that. Dr. Galicich is one of our outstanding neurosurgeons, Ooh. so he does spinal surgery. But as um, Mary Beth said, and what I'd like to highlight is the team. Nobody operates in a vacuum any longer. It's not just you and your doctor. It's a whole team of caregivers, and uh, the team at HCMC um, is uh, second to none, as Mary Beth says. So thank you for that text, and um, I would concur with her assessment. Um, I appreciate that. It's always nice to get nice, um, yes. nice comments. Here's a text that says, what is bile gastritis and bile reflux? I had an endoscopy this week, and those were possible diagnoses. Well, your bile is your digestive juices that are created by your liver, and they're stored in your gallbladder. So that's why you can do without your gallbladder because it's your liver that creates them. But um, your gallbladder stores them for use when you eat. And so that's, that's what they are. So somehow or other, your bile's going the wrong direction. It's going back up into your stomach. It's supposed to go down into your intestines. So I'm not exactly sure what to, what's to be done about that. Uh, um, I'm not so sure. Um, so I would talk to your gastroenterologist. I'm kind of stumped about what, what one would do 
um, when your bile's going the back the wrong direction because everything in your intestines eventually goes from your mouth out the bottom end into the toilet, including the bile, and it all mixes together. The bile mixes up with your food to digest it, so it all ends up in the same place eventually. But if it's going the wrong way, uh, I'm not sure if there's a procedure your your gastroenterologist can do about that. But I think I would ask. All right, should we get back to the, phone the phones? Please? John in St. Michael has been uh, waiting. Thanks for waiting, John. What's your question? So we have a son that uh, has really sweaty hands, and uh, is there any remedy that uh, we can do to help that out? Yeah, good question, John. And there is a condition called hyperhidrosis. I maybe said that wrong. I think that's correct. Hyperhidrosis or something like that. Hyper meaning a lot, hydrosis, water. Um, Most people, though, it's not a pathologic condition. Uh, But there is a pathologic condition for which there are medications you can take that reduces your sweat production. But that's if it is so bad that it's really affecting your life. Like you're literally sweating so much, including your hands, uh, that you need to take a medication for it. That's a possibility. And if that's the case, um, I would see a dermatologist. However, the the vast majority of people, it's not. Um, It's not like a pathologic condition that you can can, um, – take a medication for. I don't know the case with your son. I used to get, um, I'm not trying to make light of this, but I used to get a lot of sweaty palms when I was trying to go out with a cute girl, you know, that kind of thing, you know, you, when you get nervous. Uh, uh, I'm just being nervous and things like that. So sometimes it's related to our state of mind, believe it or not. And um, as many of us have experienced the occasional sweaty palms, some people it just happens like all the time. Mm. And, and, and it could be just something that is uh, along an anxiety um, um, uh, line. I, I don't know if that's the case with your son. I would talk to a dermatologist or for your son if he's young. Go to a pediatrician. If he's an adult son, go to a general internist or a family doctor and start with that. Um, if there are, if it's other places on the body, like in your armpits and the like, there are some topical things you can do. But though, and there are topical things you can do on the hands as well for occasional. Um, uh, relief. So I would try some of those. All right. Let's uh, go back. Mary is calling from uh, Chanhassen. Mary, you're on with Dr. Hilden. Hi, Dr. Hilden. Um, I developed this candida, or candida as you call it, in the mouth. Um, I had gone into the doctor because I had developed an oral itching in my below area. They did not diagnose it as a yeast infection, but a slight bacteria. So they did give me a metrodonazole. Metronidazole, yeah. Yes. Um, for take um, seven pills, 14 pills of that two times a day. Along with that, they did give me one um, pill to take a fluconazole. Fluconazole, right. um, At the beginning and end of that because they said that could cause a yeast infection. And so now I have developed a candida in the mouth, and they are Mm -hmm. giving me nystatin. I take four times a day. And I've been taking that for a week now, or a little bit over a week. And it doesn't seem like it's done anything. Um, is that the right thing I should do? Or Yeah, I... yeah. Good questions, all of them, um, Mary. And the Nystatin was going to be the first thing I suggested. We do it in the hospital all the time. A candida or yeast infection of the mouth is also relatively common. It has a name, thrush, um, T-H-R-U-S-H, thrush. It looks like a white film or a white kind of soft material on your che- in the inside of your mouth on your cheeks and tongue. The deal with some people call it cottage cheesy, but it's never that bad. It's you know, it's usually just a little white film. If you can scrape it off easily, in other words, it's not adherent to your tongue. It's probably thrush. 
and we give Nystatin for that. We, we do a, a swish and swallow or a swish and spit where you put it in your mouth like a mouthwash, you gargle with it, you swirl it around, you either swallow it or you spit it out. And um, that is often effective for thrush. If it's not, the next step is the fluconazole, which is, or, which is that what your doctor gave you. That's a pill form, and that's what I would do next, probably in a longer course than just one pill. Fluconazole's taking it to the next level, though, because um, the nystatin that you gargle with isn't such a big deal into your body, but fluconazole, you're swallowing a pill. So anytime you're doing that, it has more side effects and the like. I don't have any idea why you were given metronidazole. That's a bacterial bacterial, antibacterial, um, an antibiotic. I'm not sure what that was supposed to be diagnosing, but it can lead to things like thrush. I'd keep up the nystatin. If it doesn't work after a week or so, I would go to a longer course of the fluconazole. And if that doesn't work, go to an ear, nose, throat doctor or an infectious disease specialist to see what, what the next steps are. All right. I know we have a lot of text messages. Maybe we could grab one before uh, before the break. Okay. Let's try to get this one that says, my, my husband has squamous carcinoma on his scalp. Would like to know what the cure rate is. Um, he had the first surgery over a month ago, and it was basal cell carcin- carcinoma. Then they found cancer cells, so they did a second surgery. Then it turned into squamous. So now he's having Mohs surgery. How dangerous is this? Thanks. Um, this texture has defined two of the three biggest skin cancers. There are more. Basal cell carcinoma is the kind that generally doesn't spread. So cutting it out is usually curative. It goes away kind of forever. Um, it can spread, but in extraordinarily rare situations. But maybe they just had the – it's sometimes not easy to tell. So he's either had two different kinds or the first time they just didn't get it right. Basal cell cancer is one kind. The second is squamous cell carcinoma. Also does not tend to spread, but it can. It can a little bit more than the basal. So a Mohs surgery, M-O-H-S, is highly effective at getting rid of it. They do, they do your surgery in, in little bits. They, they cut out some, then they look to see if they got it all. And then they cut out more, and they look to see if they got it all. And then they do it again, and they do repetitive, they do iterations of that. Mm-hmm. And so it's very effective. It leaves the least amount of scar, and it's, quite, it's very effective. This is all to be distinguished from melanoma which does tend to spread and is, um, is life-threatening. So um, get it treated, cut it out before it has the chance to spread, even if that chance is not very high. All right, after this quick break, we'll return with more Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today here on CCO. Partly cloudy now, 53, the current temp heading for 69. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters show. It is an open line show today. Uh, with your questions by phone and by text. And again, doctor, we have a bunch of both. We have a we're going to try to get both. as many uh, answered as we can. But I'll, in the meantime. Uh, let me just quick tell people once again, if you missed it earlier, the Teddy Bear Clinic is coming back for a repeat visit. It's Saturday, September 30th, 8 to 11 a.m. Bring your kids, your grandkids to the HCMC emergency department and have them bring their favorite stuffed animal, Teddy Bear, or otherwise. They can get used to going to the doctor. It's informational, but it's also really fun. Adults get to see the inside of a world-class trauma center emergency department, and it's just a way to get your kids used to going to the doctor in a safe and fun way. The Teddy Bear Clinic is, and you can tour the inside of an ambulance. And if if you've not seen the inside of an ambulance, it's basically a mobile intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. They are unbelievable. They're super cool, and and it's better to look at the inside of an ambulance when you can walk in with your teddy bear and your child rather than being brought in on a stretcher. So Saturday, September 30th, 8 to 11 And you said when this was done before, you you get an overwhelming Yeah, it was really fun, and a lot of we didn't know if people would want to come to this. Believe me, people do want to come to this. So (laughs) All right. right, Um, So that's on September 30th. All right, let's go back to the phones. Rose is uh, on the road. Rose, what's your question for the doctor? 
taking my call. Uh, I was wondering if you could enlighten us a little bit about uh, sugar, blood sugars. We know they're supposed to be like, I guess, uh, below 100 in the morning out of fasting. But what, for the average person, how high can it go when you, you eat your meal, blah, 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 you know, and then how long, how long does it take for it to go back to whatever that average should be? We're just real confused about that. We've had quite a discussion about this blood sugar thing, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping you can enlighten us. Great questions, Rose, um, and uh, uh, you are correct. Diabetes is defined as a fasting blood sugar greater than 100. Fasting, so that's 10 or 12 hours without having eaten. Every one of us, our blood sugar goes higher than that immediately after we eat. It's called the postprandial blood sugar, and that can go to 140, 160, 180. It can go to 200, um, but it should rapidly. Your body's response to that rise in blood sugar after you eat a meal is to spit out loads of insulin from your pancreas. The insulin has the effect of storing that blood sugar in your cells of your body for later use. It's basically why humans can eat three meals a day and not have to graze 24-7 because you need fuel 24 hours a day, and yet we can eat three times a day because your body stores up the fuel, and it does that in the form of insulin, which your body's just really good at spitting out insulin right after you eat. However, if you're not doing that well enough, that that postprandial blood sugar will get well into the 200s or 300s, which is too high. And so that's that's also another di- definition of diabetes is when your postprandial stay high too long. They will come down within hours um, of eating. So it's only a spike for a short period of time. If your blood sugars are staying up in the 200s for all day, that's going to be a problem. So if you were to measure your blood sugars with a little finger stick, you would see them very low in the morning, maybe 80, and then you'd eat breakfast and they'd go to 180, and then about two hours later they'd be down to 80 again because your body did what it should. And so that's kind of the the basics of diabetes and blood sugars. There's other definitions of diabetes, but it's generally fasting blood sugar of less than 100, Random blood sugars greater than 200s, which means any time. If, if you have several blood sugars on different times that are over 200, that would be too high. Or an A1C, which is another blood test of 6.5% or higher. Those are all definitions of diabetes. Great questions. Um, for your diabetic friends, or if you are di- have diabetes, you want to see that A1C less than 6.5%, and you want your average blood sugars to be around you know, 80 to 100 or 110. You don't want them to be up in the 200s. All right. Uh, we have time, I think, for maybe one more phone call and a te- text or two. Lisa is calling from Eden Prairie. Lisa, you're on CCO. Hi. Um, I've had eight back surgeries and two neck surgeries. Uh, it started off with scoliosis as a child. It was pretty severe. Um, I have, I'm pretty much fused from my C3 down to my uh, T12, and I'm having a permanent pain pump removed this Tuesday. And my doctor is recommending that I try the medical marijuana program versus the pain pills I've been on pretty much my whole life. I'm a little bit nervous about that because I do get good relief from my pain pills. Um, but is the medical marijuana really that much better than the pain pills? Good questions, Lisa. I would give it a try. That's my short answer. I'd give it a try because I think the downside's relatively low. The downsides of medical marijuana are, are pretty low. The downsides of chronic pain medications are very high. Um, and so I think it's a, low, a relatively low risk thing to try, believe it or not. Marijuana would be less dangerous than chronic narcotics um, for pain. But, that, but, but you asked, is it as effective? I don't know. Um, there is not a lot of data on marijuana. 
even the medical kind, which in Minnesota has to come in the form of a pill or a liquid. You don't smoke a joint. Um, you don't do that. Um, and so uh, the, there's relatively little data. Marijuana is listed by the federal government as a Schedule One drug, meaning it has no known medical benefits. That is in conflict with many state laws, including Minnesota's. Because it's listed as a Schedule One substance, I can't prescribe it except under this program. And no one studies it because you can't study something that is the federal government says has no benefit. That's, so the, the data is not there. So is it as effective? I don't know. Some patients tell me it is, and I tend to believe my patients. So it might be worth a try. And if it does not work, you can go back. But I'd say the, the risk is less than the risk um, of chronic narcotic pain medicines. Okay, quickly, there was a text came in earlier about uh, a gentleman that had back surgery this past summer wondering if he could still get the flu shot. Oh, yet. yes. Um, um, thanks, Danny. Yes, you can get the flu shot. Your back surgery, I think, was in July, the texter mm-hmm. said. Go ahead. Um, and uh, you can go ahead and get your flu shot. That's an easy one. And we always like to... It's going to be another open line show. Yeah, and there's a lot of texters. If you didn't get yours in, um, uh, I'll, I'll try to remember some of these, but I might not get to them. So text them again next week if you would. Very good. And if you don't have a doctor and need one, how do you get a hold We have one? clinics all over the place in the western, uh, northern, and southern metro. Um, it's 612-873-6963 or check us out at myhealthymatters.org. Very good. We'll see you back here next week with more Healthy Matters. In the meantime, stay tuned next for uh, Your Money. Bruce and Peg will be on the air here on 830 WCCO. Temperature reading 53 degrees now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.